And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. I am Austin Meek, flying solo again this week uh, because uh, my partner Nick Baumgartner is out on paternity leave. Uh, Sounds like everything went well with the birth of his daughter, so uh, Nick taking a little time here before the start of football season. Uh, He'll be back soon. But for now, uh, this week we're going to have Audrey Snyder, who covers Penn State for The Athletic, is going to join us later in the show. So we get the lowdown uh, on some other teams around the Big Ten. So she'll give us the scoop on the Nittany Lions as the kickoff of the Big Ten season approaches. From the Michigan perspective, uh, last week we heard from Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, getting us up to speed on, on how the Michigan defense is coming together. You know, it's it kind of feels like Groundhog Day sometimes talking to Don Brown. I mean, he's he's very entertaining to talk to. I always look forward to talking to him. I always learn something about football. I think every time we talk to Don Brown, because uh, the guy knows a lot, and you can tell that that he's a great teacher of of football because he's got a always got an interesting way of explaining things. Uh, you know, Don Brown is is in a tough situation because his defenses at Michigan have been really good. Uh, about 90% of the time. And it's that 10% uh, that everybody tends to focus on, and, and rightfully so. You know, he, he's in the position, like everybody at Michigan, including Jim Harbaugh, that uh, until, they, until they show up against Ohio State, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to feel real good about anything else. Uh, but if, if you set that aside, uh, Don Brown's, you know, his defenses have been pretty salty. At Michigan, and he's got the makings, I think, of another good defense this year. Certainly has some some pieces to build around. Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive line. Cam McGrone at linebacker. Uh, so that you know, there's some some good building blocks here, but they they've also got a lot of holes to fill. Uh, and when we talked to Don Brown last week, part of the conversation was talking about who are some of the up and coming players who are going to fill some of those holes. And I think. I want to talk about uh, Dax Hill to lead off the show because I think that he is, you know, I think one of the two or three players with the most potential to really have a, a breakout year this season. I, I put Dax Hill and Chris Hinton, I think, kind of in that same category. Guys who were five-star recruits in high school, guys who had a year to learn the system, get their feet wet last year. Now, you're really looking at those guys to take that leap from year one to year two. Uh, and I think a, you know a big part of Michigan's defense this year is going to be how quickly does Dax Hill come along? Can he be a, can he be a difference maker? And what role is he going to fill this year? 
Uh, when we talked to Don Brown about that, he basically said, you know, Dax could play anywhere in the secondary. Uh, he is a safety by trade. He was recruited as a safety. Uh, he played nickel last year. That was sort of the first position that got him on the field last year. And then he played more safety at the end of the year after Brad Hawkins got hurt. Michigan secondary is in an interesting position. You know, they lose Josh Metellus at safety. Josh Metellus had played a ton of football for Michigan, a veteran player. They lose Lavert Hill at cornerback, which they expected. Then they lose Ambry Thomas, who opts out. And so now all of a sudden, you've got a lot of holes to fill in that secondary. Uh, and you know, Dax Hill is interesting from the perspective that he could fill pretty much any of those spots but he can't do all of them, obviously. So part of the, the challenge and one of the interesting challenges, I think, for Don Brown is how do you use this guy? Because he's one of the most talented, maybe the most talented player Michigan has on defense. And Michigan doesn't sign you know, four or five five-star players in every class. You know, Michigan's recruiting classes don't look like Ohio State's. Uh, if, in Michigan's classes, if you get a five-star guy, then you know, he's got to play like a five-star player when he gets in your system. Uh, and we saw, I, I would say that we saw flashes of that last year from Daxton Hill. Uh, he had some, some nice moments. He had some other times that he looked a little bit lost out there, which you would expect from a freshman playing multiple positions in a you know, pretty complex defense. Uh, but he really needs to take that, that step this year. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how Michigan uses him because you know he needs to be a, a difference maker. You know, not just a guy. You know, a solid player. He needs to be, you know, a guy who looks like a five-star recruit out there. And there's a lot of different things that you can do with him. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Kansas City guy. I grew up uh, grew up in Kansas, so I watch a lot of the Chiefs. You know, the guy you think of at the NFL level in terms of the prototype for a safety who can kind of do everything is is Tyron Matthew. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched that guy play a lot over the last couple years, and he's kind of like a, you know, he's a, a linebacker in a safety's body in a way. You know, he, he has the, the coverage skills and the ball skills to play down the field, but he can also, he makes a lot of plays in the backfield. He can rush the quarterback. Uh, he's great around the line of scrimmage. Can Dax Hill be something like that? I think that that's, you know, that's what we need to find out. Um you know, he's, he's not the biggest guy, he's one of the fastest players that Michigan has, if not the fastest player on their defense. Don Brown said he feels like Dax Hill might be the best cover guy in the Big Ten, which is pretty high praise uh, for, for a sophomore that we haven't seen a ton of. Uh, but what's the, best, you know, what's the best role for Dax Hill? Uh, is it to put him back there and let him play center field? Uh, is it to give him some snaps at corner, let him match up against the other team's best receiver. You know, he can really do it all. Um, he can cover down the field. You know, Don Brown said he can cover the slot. He can rush off the edge. Uh, so there's you know, a lot of different variables with Dax Hill. And, and one of those variables too is how do the guys around him perform? You know, who steps up for that other cornerback role now? Because Vincent Gray, he was expected to start along with Ambry Thomas. Now that Ambry Thomas is gone, Vincent Gray really becomes the guy, you know, the the established player for Michigan at cornerback. That other spot is definitely a big question mark. And in Don Brown's defense, as we know, the corners have a lot of res responsibility. They have to cover down the field. Uh, we've heard uh, DJ Turner's name. We've heard Jalen Perry. 
Jimon Green is a guy uh, that, you know, his name seems to come up every year. We haven't seen a ton of him on the field, but if that light bulb comes on, maybe that's his time. Uh, so, that, you know, I think a lot of the role that Dax Hill ends up playing this year is going to be determined by how those guys around him perform. If somebody steps up, if, if Michigan ends up feeling good at cornerback, feeling like they have two really solid options at cornerback, then great. You can turn Dax Hill loose, uh, let him play safety, let him play some nickel. We know he can do that. Um, but it's just, you know, I think with a guy as versatile as Dax Hill, you got to be able to move him around the field, uh, do some different things with him. That's really, that's one of the thing Don, things Don Brown does really well is he takes players and he caters his defense to the strengths of his players. He finds really creative ways to accentuate the strengths of his players. So when he has a unique player, like a Josh Uche last year, then they can build a role for that guy that maybe is not just like a cookie cutter, okay, you play this position, these are your responsibilities. It's more like, well, you can do this, and you can do this, and maybe you don't do this quite as well, so let's give you a role where you're accentuating the things that you do well. That's that's one of Don Brown's strengths as a coordinator. So I'm always interested to look at a Michigan defense and say, who are the players who have unique skill sets that are going to allow Don Brown to do some creative things? And Dax Hill is definitely one of those players. He's at the top of the list for me in terms of, let's see what Don Brown can do with this guy. With a year of experience, with a chance to get more comfortable in, in the system, you would really expect to see some some interesting things from Dax Hill this year. So I'm really gonna I'm really gonna be watching him. Another player that Don Brown brought up last week, who we really haven't talked a ton about, uh, was Ben Van Sumeren. Uh, played running back the last couple years, has moved to linebacker, and it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna find a role for him. And again, we don't know exactly what that role is going to look like. It sounds like he's been playing that strong side linebacker spot that Josh Uche played. I'm guessing they're not going to use him in the same way that they used Josh Uche. You know, Josh Uche was, his strength was rushing the passer. He could rush off the edge. He could rush up the middle. Uh, just an explosive pass rusher. I don't think Ben Van Sumeren is the same type of player. Sounds like he's more of a, you know, a run and hit sideline to sideline type of linebacker. But it sounds like he has uh, really opened some eyes since moving to defense and they're going to find a role for him. Uh, the other spot I think that we talked to Don Brown about that's, that's really interesting is that Viper position. Nick and I have talked about it on the podcast before. Michael Barrett has been the player that we've looked at as the heir apparent there to Kalik Hudson. Uh, you know, and again, a, just a really versatile player who can do a lot of different things. He was a high school quarterback. Uh, you know, he's got good size. He runs well. You know, all of the traits that, that you need at that Viper spot because, again, the, the Viper has to be you know, basically a guy who can be a linebacker or a safety. You know, a, a, you know, a safety who's big and strong enough to play up at the line of scrimmage a linebacker who's fast enough to cover a tight end, uh, to play in coverage down the field. That's really what you're looking for at that spot. Michael Brown, uh, excuse me, Michael Barrett, we had assumed would be the guy there, but uh, it sounds like there's also a competition going on with Anthony Solomon, uh, a player we didn't see a lot of last year as a freshman, uh, but he did get out there. He got some time. I know they were looking for him to uh, to add some weight in the offseason. 
um, you know that that'll be interesting to see how that develops because I think I had kind of you know, mentally just penciled Michael Barrett into that spot. But if that's a competition there with Anthony Solomon, uh, all of a sudden that gets kind of interesting. So the overall picture, I think, for Don Brown's defense, uh, they have some question marks. You know, they, they have some spots where they're not real deep. The secondary is one of them. Uh, you know, typically Michigan has had that guy who's kind of the lead cornerback. You know, you think of Lavert Hill, David Long, Jordan Lewis. Don Brown's always kind of had that guy. And who is that guy in this year's defense? Is, is Vincent Gray ready for that? That's a big question. Uh, the linebacker group, not real deep, but you feel like the top three or four or five guys, you're in pretty good shape there. And then the defensive line, you know, it's been a question mark. It could end up being a strength. You know, the two defensive ends are definitely a strength. And if Donovan Jeter plays as well as people have been saying, you know, it's, all of a sudden, you know, maybe he performs at a level that we didn't expect. You know, maybe maybe he's a better player than than we realized. And if Chris Hinton is ready to take that step, all of a sudden that defensive line could look okay. So, some big questions for Don Brown to answer, but the track record with him has been uh, his defense is going to be ready to go. You don't really. Um, you don't really have a lot of concerns about a Don Brown defense uh, being you know, ready to go and being one of the top defenses in the Big Ten. But until they, again, until they show it against Ohio State, there's always going to be that question about can Don Brown's defense get over the hump. Uh, and another team they got to show it against is Penn State. And we're going to talk about the Nittany Lions with Audrey Snyder, uh, our Penn State beat writer, here in just a minute. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, as promised, uh, we have on the show now Audrey Snyder. She covers Penn State for The Athletic. We are catching up uh, with some of our beat writers around the Big Ten as we prepare for the kickoff of the Big Ten season coming up here on October 24th. 
Audrey, I, I saw in the Slack channel the other day, I didn't know uh, whether to be jealous of you or whether to feel bad for you because I think you posted that you had like 42 Penn State players that you were talking to on Zoom over a couple days. So uh, after uh, after hearing from pretty much everybody on the team, uh, what's the mood at Penn State right now? How uh, How is the team feeling as we get closer to kickoff? Yeah, Austin, the Zoom fatigue was real <laughs> by the end of last week. Uh, Penn State had three days of virtual media days. So uh, got to hear from James Franklin, got to hear from all three offensive, defense, spe- defensive and special teams coordinators, and then, you know, most of the roster. <laughs> um, it, it's so interesting because one of the things that struck me, and I'm sure Michigan's probably feeling the same way with this, is like Penn State had no spring ball come back. They were very early into fall camp initially when the season gets postponed. So then you have this whole month of instructional time and the coordinators said, you know, yeah, this was great for our younger players who needed the walkthroughs. That's been beneficial, but for your older guys, and I think specifically with Penn state with a new offensive coordinator and the biggest question is their receiving core and who's going to step up. They haven't had those opportunities to be together. And like, one of the biggest things talking with Sean Clifford is how do you develop that chemistry? How do you develop that trust with the receiving core when, you know, you can't get guys together off the field to watch film. You can't get guys together off the field to go to dinner and you didn't have spring ball and you really didn't have much time together this summer either. So just trying to figure out that continuity piece to it and getting these guys on the same page, it's, Right now, I mean, essentially, this this is camp going on now, despite classes being in session and the fact that we're in the first week of October. But I just think that's going to be such a weird piece with this whole season, Austin, is how do you kind of get that camaraderie? How do you get a quarterback and receivers on the same page with a new offense when, you know, Penn State's still doing their meetings on Zoom? They're hoping that they can get to a point where – Maybe they'll use the indoor facility to spread out and stuff like that for meetings, but you're still, your, your in-person interactions are so limited. Yeah, it is very similar at Michigan. You know, Michigan's going to have four new starters on the offensive line. They're going to have a new starting quarterback. Uh, and, and the coaches have all said, like, you know, this extra time has been great for the mental side of it. You know, everybody knows the playbook inside and out, but th- there is that physical element that you just can't replicate it until you you get the pads on and it's we're only what a week into big 10 teams being able to put the pads back on so you know i one of the things that i've thought through all of this is especially early in the season i think we'll see you know the teams that made the best use of that downtime and the teams that were able to stay locked in uh, and be able to you know consistently get the work in uh, after they initially shut things down, I, I think that that will show up early in the season. Uh, what what was Penn State's you know August uh, September like? Was were they able to keep going pretty steady? Did they did they struggle with COVID outbreaks? Uh, what was that time like for Penn State? Yeah, so they they've been in a pretty good place in terms of like COVID and COVID outbreaks now. The same can't be said for the university and can't be said for Center County. Um, But the football program has had a really good handle on this. So, I mean, Penn State, at one point, they had some programs, athletic programs that had to pause workouts, but football wasn't one of them. But what happened was they were like in the first week of camp when, of course, the season gets postponed indefinitely. And at that point, 
um, they had like a about a week, week and a half before the fall semester started. So James Franklin said to the players, like, listen, I know you're upset. You don't have to stay here. Like, you can go home if you want. And a lot of them did. So they went home for a week, week and a half, trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Um, some guys flew out to California to train mm. out there. Um, and then that, that, of course, was raising a lot of red flags in terms of, all right, are these guys preparing for the draft? Or they, right. do they plan to come back? Um, and so everyone did come back, except for, of course, Micah Parsons, who opted out before the season was even postponed. And it is official now that he will not be coming back. Um, so, I mean, Parsons was the one guy that they lost. But in terms of getting a handle on COVID and those kinds of things, um, Penn State, I talked with a bunch of their parents throughout all this, the players' parents and the players, and they've really been complimentary of how the program has been combating this. And, you know, now with daily testing, they feel like they have a really good hand, handle on it. Um, but still, Austin, one of the, the weird things about this year is going to be how do you get, you know, these away games? What are your roommate situations like? Um, we've mentioned the meetings earlier before. Uh, who's serving you the food? Yeah. You know, like there's just so many weird layers to this whole thing. And James Franklin brought up the point, which I hadn't even thought of this, right? When you think we we think of every weird thing, um, you know, aircraft carrier sizes. It's a problem with state college because you're getting in and out of this airport. You're dealing with a lot of small planes. Yeah. So, you know, what do they do? Maybe do they fly out of Harrisburg instead, but then you've got a bus guys there two hours. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but that is of course a whole other layer to this. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, before we started taping this, we were talking about just how things are going to change from the media standpoint. <laughs> and I Last year was the first time I'd ever covered a game at Penn State. And you know, the Penn State press box is uh, it's kind of retro, uh, cozy. <laughs> to be kind about it. And yes, very cozy. Uh, I think you and I were about six inches apart in that press box last year. So uh, getting six feet of distance in there, uh, you're, you're going to have to take out some seats. So have they? what have they told you about what that's going to look like? Yeah, we don't know yet. Um, at this point, the, the Big Ten, it sounds like it's going to be like a uniform decision, just like they did on fan attendance. It sounds like it's going to be a uniform decision for press box capacities. Um, so, you know, you look at it and I mean, there's no doubt you're right, Austin. I mean, you're going to have to drastically reduce the amount of people you have in there. And 
the Beaver Stadium press box is old. Um, the thing is, when you saw it last year, Austin, that's when it was, like, looking good. Like, that was <laughs> – this thing, like, man, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, gosh, it was a mess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and who do you eliminate in terms of in-person to get those seats? That's going to be a really interesting decision for all of these teams. I mean, you're, of course, we're already seeing this around the country, but, like, how do you figure? Because, I mean, there's so many people, and we've been seeing this for years, and this isn't just specific to college football, but you have so many different sites and fan sites and outlets and student outlets and stuff who all serve different audiences. Uh, so how do you kind of limit that? What do you do? But there's so many weird layers to even what a game day could look for us, assuming we're even allowed in the stadium. And, you know, how many bathrooms do you have open, right? Like, we know there aren't going to be any fans there, but at Beaver Stadium, we're talking about only three toilets in the entire press box. <laughs> so, like, what do you do, yeah. you know? And um, I used to get be lucky because it was like a, a ladies' room, and I'm the only woman who covers the beat full-time, so I used to really have it made, but now they're all, uh, like, gender-neutral bathrooms, oh. so... Yeah, well, yeah. what about, and I thought about, like, post-game, you know, visiting media situations. Like, that is notorious that every school's visiting media <laughs> room is like a broom closet where you're, like, stepping over, you know, camera equipment or, like, random stuff in Standing storage. Standing chairs. Yeah, exactly. Like, how could, how would you even do that? So, all of, you know, all of that stuff I'm sure will be on, on Zoom this year. We probably will not do, like, any face-to-face -face media stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's going to be a... You know, it's going to be a whole new, strange, uh, strange world for everybody. Um, but you know, I do think it's interesting to talk to you know talk to you and get the Penn State perspective because I feel like Penn State and and Michigan are kind of you know in the same you know, sort of at the same level you know as as schools in the Big Ten who are clearly behind Ohio State, uh, but also. Mm -hmm clearly you know cut above most of the rest of the schools in the league and there's at Michigan at least there's kind of this pendulum back and forth between feeling like man you know we really should be better you know we should be more competitive with Ohio State and then on the other side of it feeling like you know it could be worse uh you know we could be <laughs> Indiana you know <laughs> take your pick yeah. um where's that balance right now for for Penn State uh how are how are the fans feeling in terms of you know the level they're at and the trajectory of the program with James Franklin? You know, I think it's it's always with fan base like Penn State, it's always you want more, you want to see more, you want to catch up to Ohio State. It's clear that's the team you're chasing. You're going to keep chasing them. Um, and I think part of that, Austin, is like it gets lost in the shuffle that Penn State has been a really, really, really good program under James Franklin but they haven't been a college football playoff program. And I think, and Franklin said this so many times before too, and he's right about this. Like the whole college football playoff era has made it where it's like seemingly playoff or bust, mm -hmm. you know, like you look at Penn state last year, you go to the cotton bowl, you win that game. You look really impressive doing it. Um, great season, but fans, you know, I did an off season survey back in maybe April or May and one of the questions I asked was like, what would you consider a successful season for Penn State this next year? And the overwhelming response was a birth in the college football playoff. And so it's like, okay, you know, you still, you can have a tremendous year, but in order for them to get to the playoff, of course, being in the Big Ten East, you're going to have to beat Ohio State to do it. And 
you know, Penn State gets Ohio State week two, which I think is a really bad draw for the Nittany Lions because you have this new offense, a new offensive coordinator, and a really young and inexperienced receiving core. Uh, to me, you're probably better off if that game happens week six or week seven, you're, you know, somewhere down the stretch. But I get it. We're splitting hairs now because it looked like there wasn't even going to be a season. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of the, the mindset around here. It's how are you going to beat Ohio State? Because that's the game everyone circles. That would have been the whiteout game this year. But now instead, Penn State released a Tuesday morning. You can purchase, as one does in 2020, uh, a fan cutout. And they there want you, you to wear white for your cutout to you know, create like a virtual whiteout for week two against Ohio State. <laughs> there you go. I'm curious if Michigan will get on board with that. Yeah, that is the that is the trend now. You know, I saw 85 bucks, Austin. 80, 85 wow. bucks. That is, that's, that's some dedication right there. 85 new subscriptions to The Athletic. <laughs> yeah, that uh, shameless plug. Dollar a month right now. I think that's mm-hmm. still going. So, yeah. Subscribers, it's still out there. Choose wisely, yeah. Uh, I saw James Franklin uh, talking about his uh, his recruiting class had some pretty uh, pretty candid comments not too long ago. And, you know, that's a very familiar theme, again, for us covering Michigan because you know, Jim Harbaugh has been criticized for not, uh, not recruiting the state of Michigan better. Some of the top prospects in the state uh, this year and in, in previous cycles have have left the state. That's That's been a point of contention for a lot of fans. I was looking at Penn State's class. So am I right that uh, none of the top 10 players in the state of Pennsylvania currently are committed Correct. to Penn State? That's pretty hard to believe. Yes, it, it's baffling. And I mean, it's a tremendously talented 2021 cycle for Pennsylvania. Um, but Penn State is just striking out on these guys. Now they're still in play for Derek Davis Jr., who's a top 50 safety uh, if Penn State can get him, that would be huge. He's from out toward the Pittsburgh area at uh, Gateway High School. But, yeah, I mean, James Franklin did not sugarcoat it when he said, like, Penn State is not recruiting up to the standard right now. And the biggest reason for that is because of the misses in state. And you look at a guy like Nolan Rucci, five-star offensive tackle. Um, I mean, how weird is this, Austin? The kid grew up going to Penn State games. His dad played football at Penn State. His mom played field hockey at Penn State. His family still has Penn State football season tickets. Uh, his big brother plays football at Wisconsin. And so Nolan Rucci is going to Wisconsin too. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's a really weird cycle for them in terms of misses and misses that you you wouldn't think they, they would be having, but they have been dipping into Michigan more, which we've seen the last few years. Um, and that's going to get really interesting too, because I mean, you have to dominate your own state, of course. I mean, every program knows that, especially when you're in a talent-rich state like Pennsylvania or you're in a talented state like Michigan, Ohio. Like, you have to do that. Um, But I was asking linebacker Lance Dixon, which I'm sure, you know, Michigan listeners will remember um, because he is a Michigan kid, of course. And, you know, I said, what makes Penn State so appealing? Because we're seeing this time and time again. And he said, it's Tim Banks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Tim Banks coming in there and saying, hey, I'm going to shoot it straight to you. Um, we, we have high hopes for you. And the fact that the flight from State College to Detroit is like an hour. Yeah. And it's, it's a great flight. I've taken it many of times. Um, and so that makes it like, hey, like we're not far, you know. And so that's kind of part of their pitch, which, which is interesting when you look at all the failures Penn State's 2021 class has had in Pennsylvania. They've been able to help themselves in Michigan. 
Yeah, and that's been you know that's been discussed certainly from the Michigan standpoint too. Is it, it makes people around here a little bit nervous when you see Penn State coming in. I think they've got three players from Michigan committed in their current class, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's been weirdly hit and miss for for Michigan in the state. Uh, and this year's class is a good example of that. You know, a guy like Rocco Spindler, uh, who plays at Clarkston, Michigan. Uh, you know, a guy who. You know, Michigan was recruiting him early, recruiting him hard. He ends up going to Notre Dame, and he's you know he's got a family connection there. Uh, his teammate Garrett Dellinger at at Clarkston ends up committing to LSU. So, you know, there there've been some top 100 guys in this cycle from the state of Michigan that that have gone elsewhere, and you know that hasn't gone over real well with Michigan fans. But at the same time, <laughs> you, you've got Donovan Ed, Donovan Edwards at West Bloomfield, uh, who's a running back sort of fringe yeah. four or five star player uh, that, you know, Michigan fans have been keyed in on him for a long time. And, um, you know, if, if he commits, that change changes the picture maybe. But, you know, it's, I just, it is interesting to sort of see the parallels in these two programs that, you know, it seems like both of them are just looking for that, you know, looking for that class or, you know, that X factor that's going to get them over the hump. You know, with Michigan, it was Josh Gaddis and the new offense, uh, you know, and every year it's kind of like look, looking for that thing to, you know, that thing to build on. So for Penn State, as, as you look at this uh, eight-game schedule with the ninth game uh, in the championship weekend, you don't have to put an exact record on it, but how do you kind of generally see this season playing out for Penn State? You know, I think this is – it's a talented Penn State team, no doubt about it. Um, you have Sean Clifford back. Journey Brown is – going to be really really good and you, you were able to see that down the stretch last last year the last five games especially uh, Pat Fryermuth is going to be playing on Sundays and he elected to stay when he could have easily easily entered the draft if he wanted to um, so for me it, it's really going to be about kind of how far this Penn State offense with Kirk Sharaka, the new OC how far it can go because Clifford has to be more accurate his deep ball especially has to be better that was one of the glaring problems last year um, but if they get this offense clicking, and this is where I just wonder about the offseason and all these things, how many weeks it might take, um, they should be pretty good. They should be really good. Um, opening up with Indiana, I think, is going to be a sneaky good test for them, especially on the road. Uh, we still don't know if that game is going to be a Saturday. Maybe it's going to be a Friday. Um, no one is, is for sure on that. But um, I just I think that, as always, it's going to come back to Ohio State. And life in the Big Ten East, as we know, Austin, for these teams, it's always tough. Whenever you're playing Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, um, you're always going to have those challenges. Penn State also plays Iowa this year, um, and they have to go all the way out to Nebraska, too. Uh, So Nebraska in November, I'm sure, is going to be lovely. (laughs) Uh, Flying all the way across the country, good luck getting there. Um, I think when I made that trip the last time Penn State was out there in 2012, I think it took me like three or four different flights just to get out there. Uh, So not an easy place to get to. But I do think, I mean, Penn State, it's again, you're looking at that one loss, maybe two loss territory, and it all hinges on week two and Justin Fields and what can you do? Because it really, the unfortunate, well, one of the many unfortunate things for Penn State regarding this whole weird offseason is that, you lost Micah Parsons. You lost your game changer, your best player. Uh, meanwhile, Ohio State, Justin Fields is still there. So I think, you know, a game that for Penn State would have been that charged up, white up, white out atmosphere week two, 
that's all now, no fans, you don't have Michael Parsons. It really changes so much. Um, and when we're talking about being that close to competing with a team, um, th- that's a big swing. So I think Penn State, um, as of right now, and I, I mentioned this on my story in The Athletic uh, this week with some season predictions, like I'm not going to pick them to beat Ohio State, but maybe I'll see something really impressive against Indiana that'll give me some reason to buy into week two. Um, but for right now, I still think they're a really good team. I think it's it's a flirting with one to two losses. And again, like I said with Ohio State, Austin, I'm still in the show me something Michigan category, yeah, right? Sure. Like, yeah. I feel like it, it's been like that for years, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say oh Penn State's gonna lose to Michigan because I haven't haven't seen that. And conversely, you take the fans out of the big house too, and that makes that game a heck of a lot different. So. I just I think Penn State it's going to be getting over the hump against Ohio State, which I just without Parsons I struggle to see them doing it, um, but still a really really solid team. All right, hey Audrey, thanks so much for joining the podcast and getting us up to speed on the Nittany Lions. Uh, have a great year covering uh, virtual football, how, however uh, <laughs> that ends up looking. Uh, everybody, you can check out Audrey's work and all of our Big Ten coverage uh, at the Athletic, a dollar a month right now. So check that out. And thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast. We will be back next week.